We're going to give you some statistics. We're going to give a, <laughs> yeah, we're going to do some research. We're going to do some Googling. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. Today, we're talking about all things Celebrity Book Club. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about celebrity book clubs. We'll wrap things up with our shelf edition, a book that we've added to our own TBR list. We're a new podcast, so if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review. It helps us find our perfect listening audience. Hey, Tina. Hi, Renee. How are you? I'm great. I am so excited to talk to you about a particular book and share with you what I mean by my book intuition took over this week. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love a book intuition moment. Do you have those? I do. And it kicks in for me like kind of when I'm reading a book, if if I'm like, should I continue or should I DNF this? I'm Mm. pretty good at knowing rather quickly if it's going to be for me or not. And I can't wait to chat either because I know this one was so fun for both of us. It it tapped into your love for research. And for me, I was looking back on some of my reviews and I noticed that one of the book club hosts commented on my photo from last year. And I did not notice last year. So I'm going to have to share that with you. Yes, I can't wait to hear. Yes, doing the research for this has changed how I think about celebrity book clubs overall, but also how I think about my own reading preferences. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. okay. Well, we're going to have to quickly get through these loving lately's because I really want to chat about Celebrity Book Club. So tell me about your loving lately. Okay. This week, I am bringing a combination skincare, body care. Ooh, oh, okay. And I guess home care too because they right. have everything. This is a local Columbus-based business called Tiki Botanicals, T-I-K-I Botanicals. And I came across them because I was looking for a gift to go to a birthday party last week. And I remembered they had big signs out front. It's like a really little store. And it said, skincare, soaps. And I was like, what? They saw you coming. They're like, I need to check that out. It's new. Usually I might go to Lush for something like this. Just because I like, I think they have unique gifts. Anyway, I didn't feel like driving to Lush. And their prices have got really high. I, I pop in. The owner was there and, you know, we chatted, 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 chatted. I find out that he has opened four stores in Columbus in like 18 weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, his main store is near downtown. So anyway, he sells skincare, soaps, lotions, bath goodies, like bath bombs, shower steamers, and candles, like really, really unique candles. And every candle is in its own little, like, unique container. And they smell so good. So, of course, I want the scoop. Everything is handcrafted rather than bulk manufactured. He and his Mm -hmm. wife started this in their basement. Oh, I'd love it. Near downtown. They live in German Village, if you've heard of that, near campus. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
German Village yes. is really cute. Yes. And oh. that's the home of that's the home of the bookstore. The the book loft. The book loft. They, it's the massive used yes, bookstore. They are right mm-hmm. across the street from the book loft. Oh, I have been there several times. Okay. Anytime I'm in Columbus, I like make a trip to the book loft. Okay. So, so now so you can picture like I was where this say. store is. I mean, yeah. this isn't the one I went to. I went to one of the little ones up here in the burbs. So okay. Of course I find a way to gush over his products. They smelled amazing. The ingredients list is teeny tiny. It's like shea Mm -hmm. butter, essential oils, natural quality ingredients. And then I find a way to turn the conversation to like, oh, by the way, do you read? (laughs) (laughs) While we're here. (laughs) I'm just wondering. And then we start talking about books and he loves mysteries and his wife reads. So I give him the podcast name. Oh, I love it. He passed that on to his wife. So anyway, I will link in the show notes to every product. I ended up buying a bunch of products for the birthday party and then myself and then a couple other friends. And you might have a little something coming your way. Oh boy. But then I he, wouldn't hate that. I know. <laughs> I don't think you'll be mad at that package. And then he was very gracious to give me a couple other products, one that I especially had my eye on. And I want to shout that one out right now. And like I said, I will link to every product I bought and that I have tried and loved in the show notes. And this, they ship. They ship. uh, Nationwide. They Mm -hmm. ship nationwide. Right now they have a free shipping if you spend, I think it's like $75 right now is what I saw on the website. But you can Mm -hmm. get free shipping. It would be their prices are really good, but yeah, it wouldn't, what it wouldn't take that long to spend seventy five dollars. Mm-hmm. And I'm the kind of person too that it's like, okay, if I like, I don't want to pay for shipping, even though I'm going to spend more in general. I know, but I will spend the seventy five to get the free shipping instead of like spending, I don't know, forty on and fewer then products. I, I get, I am the same it, way. It makes sense to way. me. <laughs> so let me tell you about my favorite product I have tried so far. It is the lemon lavender body oil. And this is in shower. Oh, oh! I've always wanted oh, to do one this of these. Is, mm-hmm. This is so good. And I used to use a in-shower body lotion from Lush. This, I love it. So you just put this on before you get out of the shower. I do not spray it like all around my body. I only like put it in my hands. Just oh, in, I see. You know okay. what I mean? Just in case so you don't get it on the shower floor and there's no mm-hmm. like oh, chance yeah. of slipping or anything like that. Right. We, we can't have that. I don't know that there would be, but I don't want to try it out. It smells amazing. And then I don't have to use any other additional lotion because I'm lazy mm-hmm. and I don't want to. I, but this keeps you moisturized without the, it the is, hassle. It is mm-hmm. so nice. And it's not a strong scent. It's really light. I love it. And the price point was excellent. It was $18 for eight ounces. And this is going to last me a long time. That's a really good. Long time. Yeah. So that is Tiki Botanicals here in Columbus. If you have any interest in supporting like a small local business and you like products like this, I just give them a try. This is the type of thing that I want to bring to the show. Like Me too. It's, I love small business. I love locally owned business. My dad's a business owner here. He owns a restaurant. But same deal. Like, I want to shop small and local where I can. So I'm so glad you brought this one. I am so glad I took a and, chance and, right. and popped in. Well, and hi to them if they're listening. <laughs> I hope they're listening. He <laughs> took down the name of the podcast and... He That's seemed great. very excited to check out after I told him, too, that we like mysteries and thrillers. <laughs> awesome. Yes. So how about you? Well, mine is, okay, 
it's it's less fun. And mine is more of a follow-up, but I had to bring it because my loving lately is Trello. Listen to me when I say, last week, if you remember, I shared about Lindsay at Bring My Books and how she organizes her TBR list. And I just thought, why can't I do this? Like, maybe I'll like it. When I tell you I spent like like three hours playing in Trello, having the best time, that's what I did. I don't know what I was freaking out about. It's not that hard. And I set it up in a very similar way. The categories that I chose or created, I have a currently reading category. I have a 2021 to read, which is where I keep my advanced reader copies. I have book club buddy read. I have reads for the podcast, like all these little categories. And so within each category, each book that I want to read gets its own card where I list the title, author, publisher, and pub date. And then I copy the cover in because it looks nice when you're looking at the board. And the best part, I think, for someone like us or, you know, anybody that's reading a lot of books and wants to do it by a certain date, there's a calendar that you can use as an add-on. So I can look at this calendar in Trello and see, okay, on August 10th, da-da-da-da-da, books are being published. It's so fun. Like, I had the best time. I got two books in the mail today. I was like, ooh, I'm going to go put them in my Trello just because I want to then keep them versus just usually what I would do is, like, take a photo on my phone and, like, maybe write it in my planner, like, oh, X book comes out on this date. This feels like it's really, really appealing once I got over the little learning curve. Mm -hmm. Sorry to be talking about TBR organization for two weeks in a row, but I thought I would bring an update for people that maybe— like the idea of being hyper-organized, but think, oh, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't keep up with it. Give it a shot. If this sounds like something that if you've been wanting to have a more structured TBR list, I really think this could be a very good way to do it. And this is Trello, and I'm personally using it to organize my TBR list. I'm so glad you brought that. Are you mainly doing that on your laptop? Yes. Okay. I'm doing it on my laptop, although there is a phone app I believe. I haven't played much in the app, but I do it on my, yeah, on my computer. And I'm one of the people that thought, oh, I'd like to do that, but I don't think, Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to be able to take the time to do that, but it sounds like it's easy. It's easy. And what I did, I kind of let go, like in my brain, I think, oh, you know what? 2021, look, we're almost to the end. I've already missed all of these arcs that I haven't read yet. I'm behind. Let me start in the new year. And I thought, that's silly, like, because I'm going to waste, you know, the Mm -hmm. rest of this year not feeling organized. So I just jumped in, starting with the books that are coming out on August 10th, you know, because we're recording a little bit ahead. And I just said, let me try and put it together and we'll see how well I stick to it. What's so nice about it is it's all customizable and it's really, really not that hard to do. I just wanted to bring it as another option and I'm kind of glad that I talked myself into using it. I am too. Okay. I will try I'll have it. to show you. And I can always show us, too, on our Instagram story, like what I'm specifically talking about and what it looks like, because I'm a visual learner mm-hmm. and I think it might help. OK. Would you still use BookBuddy app in combination? You know, I think that what I like most about BookBuddy app is keeping a track of my personal library. OK. So I like it and I haven't scanned all the books I own, but I hope to someday. In Trello, it's more or less the books that are immediately in front of me. And what's nice is sometimes I get into this paralysis, which is so such a champagne problem. But I'll be like, okay, I finished a book, right? What do I read next? Mm-hmm. I'm just like, uh, uh, uh. And I end up having literally, like, no idea. Or what I do is I'll start, like, six books. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then I get cranky. It still allows me to read within my mood because all of the books that I'm picking are, I'm not, like, going to beat myself up if I can't get to it by pub date. Because I also made a category that's 
2021 missed but still want to try. So if I miss the pub date, I'll throw it in there. And some of them, I may just say, you know what? This is just not for me, and that's fine, too. Okay. And I wouldn't mind you continuing to share with us in your Instagram stories what Mm -hmm. you're doing and what it looks like. That would be great. I would be happy to. Okay. Awesome. All right. So what's your latest read? Okay. This I've been waiting for. I have been waiting, too. That's why I'm like, let's go. Do you have... Okay. So I've been teasing (laughs) Tina with, I'm reading something. I can't wait to tell you. I, I'm not. And then I said, do you want a hint? And you said no. And I was kind I of. I said bummed. no. I know. Because I'm the kind of part. I like to be surprised. I don't need even for like, uh, you know, Christmas gifts or whatever. Uh-huh. John is the worst. My husband's the worst. He's like, OK, here's your gift. And it's like, you know, December 22nd. I'm like, what the heck? I like to wait and be in the moment. So something okay. to build up to. So this is a Reese pick, which is a coincidence. I knew we were going to be doing this. But anyway, this finally caught my eye. This was a DNF for you. Oh, what is it? The Tell Paper me. Palace. <gasps> oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. By Tell Miranda me everything. Callie mm-hmm. Heller. Okay. Tell me everything. I'm just going to sit back and listen. Okay. <laughs> so I listened to the entire thing. I didn't even have a print or ebook copy of this. Nan McDamara is the audio narrator. It was perfection on audio. And here's the thing. This was on my radar before it was published because I had read the synopsis. So let me tell you the synopsis, and I'll tell you what got me with this. It's a perfect July morning. You have Elle, a 50-year-old, happily married mother of three. She is at her family's summer place on the Cape. Her friends, her childhood best friend, Jonas, and his wife are there. One morning, Elle and Jonas creep out the back door— and have sex with each other. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to find out how that's going to go. That was really why it was on my radar, because I thought, oh, I'm, I need to know what happens here. But then when I read the rest of the synopsis, okay, then it says over the next 24 hours, Elle will have to decide between the life she has made with her husband, Peter, and the life she always imagined she would have with her childhood love, Jonas. I was like, eh. That doesn't appeal to me to have an entire story over 24 hours. So then I disregarded it. And then you told me that you DNF'd it real quick. Mm -hmm. And this was one I just picked up. I had access to the audiobook, and I liked the cover. I heard nothing about it. It was before it was a Reese pick. It was before I even saw it on Instagram. I was just like, huh, all right. I like stories about complicated friendships, but I started listening, and I did not get far. I mean, maybe 5%. And it was hard for me because I don't love overly flowery writing. And that's what struck me right away. I was like, ooh, this writing style is going to not be for me. And I know when you said you gave up, it is pretty early. And I do see what you were saying. But Uh then right after that, I was like, oh, I bet Tina didn't get this far. And it changed a little bit. And you could tell it wasn't, it didn't feel flowery. It felt like there was a darkness to the language. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I wondered if you had gotten to that point. I don't think so. Yeah. Like I said, I put it aside super quick just because I was like, I don't know much about it. Okay. But I'm open to to coming back. Well, here, let me see if I can can, uh, entice you and any listeners that might be on the fence. I wish I would have known that this was a book about tensions between desire and dignity, the legacies of abuse, and the crimes and misdemeanors of families. I wish I would have known about that. I wish that part of the synopsis was in the beginning because I would have probably read it sooner. 
Okay, so then it keeps popping up over Instagram, right? It has blown up. Reese picks it. I keep seeing it and seeing it and seeing it. And a bunch of my trusted sources are raving about it. However, I didn't read anybody's reviews. I do this weird thing. Like, I had already disregarded this book. But I'll, like, I'll see people's reviews, and I will only go to the part of the review where they say, I loved it or I hated it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm the same way. Like, I don't want to get too granular with someone's review because I don't want it to affect my perception because it happens. Once in a blue moon, if I'm not sure how I feel about a book, I'll be like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go to Goodreads and see what the people are saying. Mm -hmm. Every time I do that, I get disappointed in myself because I'm like, oh, now I can't stop seeing that. Right. Well, I kept seeing... I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. And but yeah. in my head, I had you. Saying, I know. I feel badly so, now. But no, it's okay. This is what it, it makes it fun. Okay. So I decide to go for it. And I want to tell you this in a way that is different than what I normally do, because you changed my life by telling me <laughs> that I could mm-hmm. I could dictate notes to myself in mm-hmm. the email format mm-hmm. and send it to myself in the email. I didn't know the email had a microphone. Duh. Yeah, it's but the I did that's, that's how we keep notes for like when we're reading books. Like if I have thoughts, I'm like, I quick jot them in an email and I well, send it to myself. I usually write everything. Mm-hmm. I try to finish a book and then write my thoughts out. But I was telling you that's become very challenging because mm-hmm. I just want to keep reading. So anyway, I want to tell you I have three separate days of short notes. I want to. So let me tell you how this book went for me. Okay, first. It was a roller coaster of, oh, I really like this book. Oh, no, I don't. And let me say, let me preface this with, I just mentioned Elle and Jonas and their kids. and But Elle also has her mother, Wallace, who was a character that I would have read lots and lots more about. And it doesn't just take place over 24 hours. That's the present day. It goes back. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the past. So what I said to myself in my notes was, "This has alternating timelines, which I don't like." <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and also, this is a multi multi generational family saga, which I don't, <laughs> which is mm. an anti buzzword. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this is. I start reading, and I am very pulled in. You get a whole bunch of drama because you start with the action in what these two have done. And then you go back to childhood. I'm probably about 35 or 40% in. And my notes to myself said, I was enjoying this. The short chapters seem to have vanished almost to halfway. I'm almost to the halfway and still stuck in the past. So many details about everything, the setting, the characters, the food, where is this plot actually going? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm tempted to check reviews, but I'll wait. And then that's where my book intuition kicked in. Ah, because I almost said to myself, I think I'm just going to be done. Like, I think I'm going to be done and I'm going to DNF. And then something happened. I had kept going and I was like, oh, whoa. And it changed the course and the tone of the entire story. And I was in. And I wish I could hint as to what that was, but I won't say anything. Okay. I finished this yesterday and my notes are, talk about an author telling me a story. The fact that this is a debut blows my mind. Oh, I love debuts. I did not know that. It's a debut. Mm -hmm. Of course, I had to go back and and research this author. She was senior vice president and head of drama for HBO. 
Oh. Oh, hello. So, (laughs) yeah, over shows like The Wire, Sopranos, Six Feet Under, it makes perfect sense after finishing it. And I will tell you, I finished it and I was like, no, I actually rewinded it because I just wanted to hear the the ending conversation again. But man, I am glad I didn't give up. I'm so glad I didn't give up. I loved the complicated family relationships. I loved the interaction between Elle and her mom. So you have the current day parenting relationships between Elle and her husband, Peter, and their kids, and one's a teenager. And then you have how she was parented as a child. And then you have her trying to reckon with that, with her mother in present day. And her mother was something. I mean, she was very flawed. So I love the setting. I love the way she interspersed the timelines. I didn't feel as invested in the childhood part until the turning point. So I don't know. I would highly recommend it. I think that this is well, well, well deserved as a Reese pick, as a bookstagram hype machine pick. I think that it would make a perfect book club selection because there is so much to discuss as far as the situations and scenarios between um, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, and parents and kids, for sure. And then I want to finish by saying, even though it's part of it set on the Cape and it's very beachy and you get all that, this is not a beach read. It's very dark in places and very heavy. Mm -hmm. So sensitive readers, just take note of that. But if you like complicated characters, take your pick because this book is filled with them. (laughs) And that was The Paper Palace by Miranda Cowley Heller. All right. I don't know. I just talked forever about that, but I... That's okay. I went from... That was so good, Tina, I went from a DNF, like I'm going to give up, to this is... I'm probably going to give this five stars. See, but here's the problem, though. This is why I can't DNF, because what if? What if the <laughs> there's a turning point at a certain point in the book? I know. What does this mean for my DNF in the future? I know. I know. That was a great sell, though. And honestly, you've convinced me to pick it back up. And here's why. I love family drama. I love multi-generational. I love dual timelines. I actually even like a what-might-have-been exploration I didn't dig flowery writing, and that was the part that I was like, I don't know. This probably isn't my cup of tea, but hearing your five-star endorsement makes me want to give it a shot. And that it's a debut, I think this could be for me. I I was thinking about you. I wanted so bad to tell. That's why I kept like teasing you, because the more I got into it, I kept thinking, oh, I think this would be for Tina. I think where you left off, you had no idea how dark no. and how... <laughs> you know, how evolved this story was going to get. And that's another thing. That's like kind of the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. When you said it's dark, I'm like, oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I can, I, I, I like dark. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm done. I'm done talking. What's your latest read? Speaking of books where I wish I would have trusted my bookish intuition and Ooh. I wish I, I do wish I would have DNF'd it. Oh, I'm curious. My latest book is a celebrity book club pick as well. And this was on accident, but it's The Turnout by Megan Abbott. And it is a read with Jenna pick for August. Have you ever read any Megan Abbott before? Yes. I want to say Dare Me. It, it was mm-hmm. one of her very early, early books. Yes. 
Dare Me. Yeah, that's the one with cheerleaders. I think that, yep, I think that's mm-hmm. the one. So I've read The Fever, You Will Know Me, and Give Me Your Hand. And I've come to the conclusion that while I appreciate her books, they are not for me. Okay. Her books are generally feminist. They are slow-burning, literary suspense, set in very interesting settings. Like I said, cheerleading, you have a science lab for one, a gymnastics gym, and in The Turnout, it's set in the world of ballet. So The Turnout is about two sisters, Dara and Marie, and Dara's husband, Charlie. Dara is the harsher and more severe sister, where Marie is more flighty and ethereal. And this book is about their complicated relationship and what happens when someone from the outside infiltrates their tiny bubble. And it truly is a tiny bubble. Right away, you get a sense of unease. You're like, something is off with these characters. And I couldn't tell. I think it's only narrated through Dara. And I couldn't tell if Dara was the unreliable narrator or if Marie was or what was going on. But it is a bubble. They inherit their mother's ballet studio and their house. So the parents die and they inherit all of this. And they really only interact with each other, Charlie and their students and the students' parents. And Charlie has his own weird connection to the girls. He was brought into the family by their mother when he was young because he was a dancer as well and kind of grew up with the girls and then ultimately married one. And honestly, they've been running their business rather smoothly, but then a small fire causes a lot of damage that threatens their livelihood. They bring in a local contractor on the recommendation of a student's mother, and he is the total opposite of the dancers. There's a ton of juxtaposition because the dancers in the ballet studio is very feminine, and he is very smooth-talking, brash, and ultimately he talks them into taking on a bigger renovation than they had planned. Marie becomes fixated on him, and Dara begins to worry that this guy has more on his mind than just fixing up their studio. I will say the author is very, very skilled at taking her time with the setup and bringing you right into the character's world. It's dark. It's unsettling. And I kept thinking, am I liking this? I don't think I'm liking this, but I'm going to keep reading (laughs) for one reason or another because I really wanted to know more. I was very excited to see about the world of ballet. And while you do get some of that world, most of the tension was actually set around the renovation itself. So that was strange for me. Again, you get a weird feeling from these people and you never really know who to trust. And is this a dream? Is Dara reporting things incorrectly? Like, what's going on? I will say it's uncomfortable, it's atmospheric, and there is a lot of sexual innuendo. The Nutcracker is the ballet that they're preparing for, and apparently that's a very sexual play (laughs) that I've never seen or I don't know much about it. But yeah, there was a lot of that. I love that the author pushes boundaries, but like I said, I... Don't think I liked it. You get a resolution. It comes quite late. And I think this is going to be for readers that like slow burns. They like dark and atmospheric books. They like something a little bit literary. And they don't mind being uncomfortable while they're reading. Will I read this author again? Probably. (laughs) Because (laughs) she's talented. Um, My favorite from Megan Abbott was the one that was set in the gymnastics studio, You Will Know Me. I did not like the others that I have read. So we'll have to see if I give it a try again. This book was The Turnout by Megan Abbott. That was a really good review. I feel like you gave that a really balanced take. Yeah. I try. Because again, this isn't one that I'm like, this is a bad book. It's not a bad book. Mm -hmm. It is not my kind of book. 
personally. I will say I listened to it. The narration was fine. Nothing outstanding. Nothing bad that was distracting. Mm -hmm. It's just not my favorite book. I said I wish I would have DNF'd it because, honestly, though, I I think I take that back. I'm glad I finished because I wanted to see what happened. I think now when I see reviews, it makes me understand other reviewers more if they liked it. Mm -hmm. If they didn't like it, I'm like, okay, they might be more my type of reader. So I guess sometimes it's not a bad thing to continue and finish books that we're not in love with. I can see that. Yeah. And it's only when you finish something that you're like, you feel extreme hatred for that mm-hmm. then you get mad at yourself for not DNFing. Yeah. You're not, Agreed. I can tell you're not mad at yourself. No, I'm not you, mad. And I, I completely agree with you in terms of like, if it's a bad book, if the author does something cheap, like one time I read this book that ended with, it was all a dream. When I tell you I am still <laughs> mad at this author, <laughs> I haven't read her again because I'm still mad about this book. It was all a dream. This book was well done. It, it's very in tune with her writing. I just don't think that she's my type of author. Yeah. So. You know you're going to get messages about what book you're talking about. It was Mary Kubica's When the Lights Go Dark. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were thinking of something else. Mm-mm. Okay. No, that was the one that I was like super disappointed by. And that's an author I would read every single book by. That one, I'm still, I, I told you, I'm still I mad. I don't understand that whole, I mean, we won't go off on that tangent, but I don't understand that whole, like, It felt like dream. a cop-out. Exactly. Why would you make the whole thing a dream? Right. I put hours into, like, setting the stage, and, like, the buildup was great, but that sort of, like, you know me. You know what type of reader I am. I like stakes in mm-hmm. my game. Like, I like it set in reality. I want, like, consequences, and that just felt like a, an easy way out. Right. Okay. Well, those are those are good discussions, though. That brings up, it brings brings us- up a lot of important points. Mm-hmm. And it brings us right into our discussion today because we are today talking about all things Celebrity Book Club. So the way that we're structuring this episode, we are each bringing a book that we enjoyed from Read With Jenna and Reese Witherspoon's book club, and then we're going to alternate between Good Morning America and Oprah's. We will also share a book that we didn't quite like or something that we DNF'd from each of their clubs. Quickly, I do want to give a shout out to Jules Buono. She is a book blogger, and she keeps up-to-date lists on her website of all the books mentioned on the respective book clubs, along with a ton of other great bookish posts. I really enjoyed her website, and I just wanted to give her a shout-out because it's a very helpful resource if you're interested in this sort of thing. Okay. I have a quick question for you that I meant to Mm -hmm. ask you regarding your latest read. Are you Mm -hmm. surprised that Jenna picked that particular book? Because August— is an insane publishing month. There are so many amazing choices. Are you surprised that that's the one she picked? No. I think it's in line with Jenna's book club. I think her books tend to be, of all the book clubs, on the darker side, almost. She doesn't do a lot of mystery and thriller. She does a lot of like literary suspense, I think, is kind of a piece of her wheelhouse. Okay. So in that sense, I do. You know what? No, I think this is a good book club book, quite frankly. Even though people may not like it, I've DM'd with a couple of people like, hey, was did I read this right? Like, what did you think about this? What did she mean by that? And it, there was a, like enough meat on that bone to mm-hmm. discuss. Okay. So I actually am interested in seeing Jenna's chat with Megan Abbott at the end of August because I that's what she does. That's how she does her book club. It ends with a chat with the author on Instagram Live. So I think I might tune in for that because why not? Okay. Well... Where are we going to start? 
There are a ton of celebrity book clubs out there, and I know most of us know that for years, Oprah Winfrey was the reigning queen, but there are plenty of famous people out there now with their own book clubs. Yes, and in doing my research, which was quite fun, there are famous people and there are not so famous people. I guess they would be celebrities, but I didn't know some of them. And they all have their own little like book club niche. So I want to just share a few. Emma Roberts, Bellatrist, Mm -hmm. and she is geared a lot towards millennials, feminist reads. Jimmy Fallon, Summer Reads. Mm -hmm. I think we know about that. I didn't know he that he only focused on summer, where he has people vote. Not sure about their summer choice, although we both liked it. But Which was their choice? The plot. Oh. But the uh-huh. plot over razor blade tears? Come on. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Obama's. So for Obama, he doesn't actually have a, a book club, but he will put out his favorites that he's read lately via his social media. And that will blow up book sales. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Between Two Books with Florence Welch, which I had not heard of. Um, of Florence, Is that Florence and uh, the Machine? Yes. She oh, has her I had own, no idea. Yeah, she has her own book club. You have NFL player Andrew Luck, mm-hmm. and his is geared towards younger readers. Emma Watson's Our Shared Shelf. Roxanne Gay's The Audacious Book Club. Mm-hmm. That seemed good. Smart Brown Girl Book Club. This one was kind of interesting. No Name Book Club. She's a Chicago rapper and poet. And she started her own book club. And she chooses two authors of color each month. Oh, I have to look at this. I, I don't I don't know this person. Yeah, um, she's at, it looked like it was just an Instagram, at No Name Reads. Got it. Is the handle. We'll We'll link to all of these. We'll link to this. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then in the UK, I I had to mention this because they are so big. Richard and Judy's Book Club. That's really the only one. I mean, I didn't delve into countries really outside of the US, but they are so big and they they just move a ton of books in the UK. Who are Richard and Judy? Are they? Okay, I, I didn't know. get that far, Tina. No, that's okay. I thought maybe you knew. No, it's okay if I you don't. don't. Richard and Judy. <laughs> I don't know. We could Google that real quick. You, 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 Google, you're I'm the Google Googler. Queen. I'll Google it later. It's all right. Okay. But yeah, that's a lot of people out there mm-hmm. reading books, promoting books, and yet we don't know about a lot of them. Well, this kind of begs the question for me, who deserves a book club, right? I remember there was a little bit of (laughs) there was a little bit of drama earlier this year with an author, uh, Elin Hildebrand, who came out and she said that she was an aspiring book influencer and that she intends to come out with a book club. But think the way she presented it, it was kind of condescending almost like, hey, there's all these celebrities with book clubs. Like, what do they know about books and reading? I'm an author. So who better to have a book club? Do I have that right? Yes. Um, I did not get the exact quote, but Mm -hmm. that is, I guess we could. It came in the interview. Actually, I don't even know if I could find it. I'm not even sure where it was, but it was in the interview that she gave to announce her retirement. Oh, from writing? Yeah, she's retiring from writing in 2024. And in that particular interview, she said she wants to promote books 
And Mm -hmm. because who better to promote books than authors versus celebrities? Because they're celebrities. As if you can't be both a celebrity and a reader. As if the only reason they're able to move books is because of their celebrity, not because Mm -hmm. they are reading and they are people who love reading and want to promote books. It has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the fact that they don't write books themselves. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, to me, it was a condescending statement. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that there's value. I I don't want to just see authors in their book clubs, right? I think there's value in a wide range of people who have a platform. I don't care if they're authors, if they're athletes. I did not know about Andrew Lux, but I love that it's for younger readers. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of room at the table for a wide variety of people. I'm curious. So what do you think about celebrity book clubs in general? Like, are you one that follows their picks or tell me more about that? I do follow their picks. I don't, like you said, I don't breathlessly wait each month to see what they pick. Whatever Mm -hmm. they pick doesn't affect my reading choices. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was trying to kind of be objective and think about, it doesn't affect my reading choices because I have access and I I love researching books and staying on top of what's coming. And it's just my passion and my hobby. But if, if you didn't do that, and, you know, if you only had time to, if I'm only going to read one book this month, then there's probably hundreds of thousands of people that wait to see what Reese is going to pick and wait to see, depending on who you align with more. Mm -hmm. And I totally get that. I enjoy seeing what book they're going to come up with because it makes me very excited for the authors. Yes, same here. And I think whatever, and and I'm hoping really, I'm hoping each month that somebody's going to come out with like a pick that I haven't heard of. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm looking for only because yeah. I feel like I know too many books and I would rather be surprised. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. So for me, I am with you. I don't wait to see, oh, what are they going to pick this month? Just because we're already kind of in that conversation. We're in the book world, but And at first I was like, nah, they don't affect my reading. But that's not true because I like to read buzzy books and I get very tempted to see what I think of them. And I don't think there's any denying that being a book club pick, regardless of whose book club it is, can increase a book's visibility and popularity. And I love that these book clubs exist because I think you're right. There are a lot of people not in the book community that read maybe one book a month that don't know what to pick up. And they're like, oh, cool. Like they want to be a part of the conversation. Maybe they don't have access or they're not in an in real life book club. Mm -hmm. So I think in that sense, celebrity book clubs are great. And like you said, I also love what they do for authors because you get a major, major boost when your book is selected as one of the book club picks. Exactly. And I have some nerdy statistics to share with you on that. Tell me. Well, but I do want to say first, I do think that these other, like, Reese and Jenna and GMA and, like, I think they filled a little bit of a hole that, well, Oprah left. Like, Mm -hmm. she dismantled hers, right, after, but then brought it back in 2012. But (laughs) before then, people weren't all that thrilled with a lot of her choices because they seemed, I don't know what word I want to use. They seem literary. Yes. Oprah's choices are very literary. A lot of times they are 
classics. Not classic in the sense that it's like Jane Eyre, but they are books that maybe have been out for quite a while. So I think what Reese and Jenna's book clubs and, and GMAs did was bring some more new releases yes. to the table. And I think that's been great. And I think Oprah does a mix of new releases as well as like older books. But yeah, I think you're right. Like I said, I, I think there's room at the table for a lot of different people with a lot of different perspectives. And something you told me that I guess I just missed, I was not aware that Reese's Book Club is only female authors. Right. That's very deliberate. I did see that they are not opposed. They, meaning her and her team, are not opposed to choosing a man or a male author, but only if he's writing about women. And only if the characters or the lead is it's a female driven narrative that's what Got she it. wants and okay. but she has yet to ever pick a male author and she's had 56 picks right and I'm, I'm sure there's men writing about women but maybe you know she knows what she's looking for is what mm-hmm. it sounds like but I like that I think that you know, there's a billion books in the world, and I think that gives you a little bit of a lane. So I can kind of know what to expect from Maurice's book club. Like I said, with Read with Jenna, and I don't have the stats to back this up, but just, you know, looking through her picks, they do oftentimes feel a little bit darker, not super gritty, but like they always have like a complicated uh, protagonist at the center. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't say always, but I find that in a lot of her books, there are people that aren't like 100%. Yes, I'm going to root for this person. Specifically, the book I'm thinking of is White Ivy. Loved that book. Yes. That character is complicated and she is not like a straightforward, oh yes, let's, you know, kind of root for the good guy type thing. She is complicated. And I think that's the type of protagonist that Jenna tends to pick for her books. Right. Which is different than what Reese might pick. So that's a good, Mm -hmm. um, I think they all balance each other out in different ways Mm -hmm. as far as like, which is how you can decide who you align with. And I would have said that I was more aligned with Jenna until we decided to do this. And I'm not, I'm more aligned with Reese's picks. Oh, see, I'm more aligned with Jenna. Although I think I've read just as many Reese's, I had more misses from Reese's book club. Okay. Well, here's some, when you had said like there's billions of books out there, here's a little fun fact. There are about 2.2 million books come out every year, right? See, I was going to say, I thought I mean, when I said billion, I was like, I think that's a hyperbole. <laughs> well, no, there are, but no, billion is out there. Like to choose every from year, there's every, new two, every 2. single 2. year, there is 2.2 million. So where do you start? That's a lot of books. And these celebrity book clubs are helping maybe narrow down choices and while promoting authors and promoting reading, whether they bring in a lot of new readers, Mm -hmm. it seems to be like something that no one can answer really, but they are enticing people who may already be readers to keep reading. Mm Mm-hmm. Which and is that's great, good. right? That's, that's a good great. Thing. When I said how excited I was for an author, every single thing I read said it's basically like winning the lottery for an mm-hmm. author. So none of Reese's picks have sold less than 10,000 print copies. Mm-hmm. None of them. And that's major. Right. And that's just print. That doesn't even include audio or ebooks or anything else. And then on average, if a book is picked by Reese, it can see at the minimum of a 103% increase in sales. 
at the minimum. I love that. That I mean, makes I'm like jazzed about this. Like it just makes me so happy for the authors. I think because we kind of get close, you know, we follow them. Like I feel like we've been following them individually on the sidelines. So when I see an author I love get picked, I'm like, yes, good for you. <laughs> I love to see their reactions or hear hear them if they put something on Twitter or see them on Instagram, like what they were doing when they got the call. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always yeah. like they got the call from their publicist or whatever that said they were getting chosen. That would just be the best feeling. Yeah. Oprah called my pick for her book club. Like, there was like a little article about like what the author was doing when Oprah called oh, her on really? the phone. Was like, yeah, hey, you're my pick for this month. And she was like, okay. <laughs> Could uh, you imagine? <laughs> no. Okay. So we've talked about authors. We've talked about what it does for them. But like for the publishing industry as a whole... Since Reese has launched her book club in June of 2017, she has now carved out basically 2% of all fiction sales are because of her. (laughs) That's That's incredible. So publishers, I mean, for just the whole books and reading Mm -hmm. and publishing and authors, there's really not that many downsides. It makes reading cool. It makes reading an option for people. You know, like I think it a lot of the time used to be a very solitary thing before social media. You know, you know, there were libraries and things like that. But I think now it's become and I guess I'm making assumptions, but I believe it's become more mainstream. I think you're right. You know, if you're a reader, you're like, wait a minute, I didn't know there was this entire world of bookstagram, for example, or, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't know that there were all these other people that are readers too. So have you ever participated like in a celebrity book club? Like, do you follow, I know Reese has an app. I know Jenna does her end of the month Instagram lives. No, I I haven't. Okay. That was, and, and that doesn't surprise me because I was thinking about it. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is the book club? Like, what is the club part of book club? Right. <laughs> like, That's where true. are we talking about this book? <laughs> like, is it on Facebook? Is it, I, like I said, I know Reese has an app and there is like a discussion board in there. But other than that, I, I think it must just be on Instagram. I'm not totally sure about that. I think you're right. I guess Jenna does Instagram lives with mm-hmm. the author and then everyone else. When you like, you're right. Social media has been the key. Because when Obama puts out something, he's usually putting it out on his Facebook or... Um, mm-hmm. And I love his list, by the way. Like, I'm always like, oh, it's like always like a little surprise. I'm like, what have I read? What haven't I read? So and that's, I like his yeah, list. And that's... So just by him putting that out on social media, then book sales will increase. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, maybe social media has been the driving factor for this because most of them all started on Instagram or... So without it... It, you know, it would have been when Oprah had her initial run, it was just on her show. And I think, gosh, like that is so charming. Like I would have been, you know, if I, cause I didn't watch Oprah, I was too young at the time. But like, if I had, if that was my show, I'm watching every day, for example. Okay. Put it this way. The Bachelor. You and I love The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. Imagine if they had like a Bachelor book club where on the show, they're going to talk about their pick. You and I would read that oh, every month. For sure. Because we don't want to be left out of the conversation. No. So I, I I love the nostalgia of like just being there and like watching Oprah on television talk about her book pick, bring the author on. And I have like a funny nostalgic moment that I'll, I'll get to a little bit later in the show. Okay. Okay. Renee, through your research, I... How do these books get chosen? Do we think the publishers are paying to have their books chosen or are the celebrities 
reading galleys and picking them themselves. Have you gotten any information on this? I found one bit of data. Okay. I don't think that publishers are paying. No, I don't think that. Mm -hmm. But it's very hard to find any info on that. The only one I did find was an, an interview in Vox with Reese's people, not her. They did say that she reads every book. So publishers send them. Mm-hmm. And then from what it said, one, it can't be just one, one full-time bookworm that is reading everything for TV because she has the production company, right? Oh, so that's she's right. reading she's reading for TV and movies and the book club. So mm-hmm. there's a full-time bookworm that's reading and then will then filter it to her. Mm-hmm. But they said sometimes she comes in and will say, I just read our next, I just read our next <gasps> pick. And then uh-huh. everybody else has to scramble has to and mm-hmm. go read it to see what what it is that she's just read. Oh. So one, how do I get to be that bookworm? I but know. secondly, how do I get a bookworm for me? Like I want somebody to vet the books that I get and like just like tell me what. I need to read personally, specifically me as a reader. <laughs> I immediately thought that when I when I read that, I was I want to be that bookworm. Oh, I know that'd be stressful though. It would be a lot of pressure. Very interesting. I couldn't find anything either. I just heard Oprah's in one of her interviews say that she was reading a galley of this particular book that I'm bringing. So, like, obviously, I I actually do believe that they all three. And I'm not I'm not talking much about GMA. You'll have to fill me in. I don't know hardly anything about their book club. For the three that I just mentioned, I think those celebrities are definitely reading their books. Right. And I now that you say that. I'm wondering who is picking the books for GMA. I don't know. I mean, I I know how theirs is structured as far as they have book club picks and buzz picks. I mean, they're two different ways of promoting books, but I don't know who is doing the choosing over there at Good Morning America. Maybe someone knows and will tell us. Well, I don't know. I I think in the end, it's a good thing. I was trying to think of like, What's a downside? Because mm. it seems not it seems like there really isn't that many. And I found a couple really interesting interviews and think pieces or whatever that said really the only downside, if there's any, is, is that an author can tend to be an introvert. Not mm-hmm. all of them, but a lot of authors are introverts. Once their book is chosen and blows up, they have to do interviews. And appearances and like their life changes to the point Mm -hmm. that maybe they're not always comfortable with that. And then the pressure of the next book. Uh Uh-huh. Is major. Is major. That's really the only downside that I kind of came across. Yeah, I was thinking that too. When you started saying the downside immediately, I was thinking, well, now they have people like us in their Instagram (laughs) tagging them. (laughs) Like, oh my God, you know, and it might be overwhelming. And and I guess maybe that's not something that they had necessarily considered when they were writing. I think you're right. Overall, I think celebrity book clubs are a net positive. I'm always interested to see what the book clubs pick. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's kind of like a passing interest. But in the end, anything that promotes literacy, anything that gets people Mm -hmm. reading and talking about books, I am all in for. Me too. Me too. I think we can end there. I think we had a lot of great talk about it. Do you have anything else on your list that you want to I do not. I don't think I do. All right. All right. Let's start with Reese. 
Reese's Book Club has 59 books listed as book club picks so far, and this includes her YA picks. I have read 17 of these so far, so about 29%. And of these that I have read, I've enjoyed 12 of them. I do want to give an honorable mention to Seven Days in June and The Last Thing He Told Me. Both were five-star reads for me, but since we've already talked about them on the podcast at length, I won't get into them today. The Reese pick that I am bringing today is This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel. This book came out in January 2017 and was Reese's pick for October 2018. This book is so special. It is about a family that gets consumed by its secrets. At the center is Claude. Claude is the youngest of five brothers. He is five years old when the book begins, and he loves to write and to draw He's a precocious kid, and he's really funny, and he keeps his family on their toes. Lots of kids say that they want to be a doctor when they grow up or an astronaut when they grow up, but Claude dreams of princesses and says that he wants to be a girl when he grows up. And his parents only want him to be happy, but they are not sure that they're ready to share his desire with the rest of the world. So this book is about how the family supports his journey And honestly, the true difficulty is that the whole family can go through while raising a transgender child. Everyone gets drawn into keeping the secret until one day everything implodes. This is How It Always Is is a novel about identity, transformations, fairy tales, and family. At the end of the day, it's about being a parent and doing the best you can and simultaneously keeping your fingers crossed that your children will turn out happy. This is a wonderful, heartfelt book, and I got drawn into the family right away, and I loved them. They had this habit of doing this story time at night, so there's kind of like a side story of, you know, this little bedtime thing, and it was very sweet because I think the father is an author. I thought the author handled the conversation about transitioning so delicately, but it never came across as heavy-handed. And I just kept thinking, oh my goodness, this feels so authentic. How did the author write this? And it's actually because it's in part inspired by her own story. The author's child was born um, a boy and now identifies as a girl. And I can see this book as being an eye-opener for people who haven't really thought about the complexities that go into transitioning. And I highly recommend it. This would be an excellent book club pick, and I can absolutely see why it was one of Reese's picks. And this was This Is How It Always Is by Lori Frankel. That is one that's still on my TBR. I've never read it. You'll like it. I think you'll like it. I struggle with children characters sometimes, but this one was just, I had no choice but to love it. (laughs) Like I got pulled in. I think everyone did love it. I mean, it's got rave reviews Mm -hmm. on Goodreads and everywhere. I don't know why I never picked it up. Well, there's always time, right? I know. Thank you. That was good. The book that I did not like from Reese's book Oh, yes. What was it? This is a book that a lot of people do like. And I know why I didn't like this one. Okay. It was The Library Book by Susan Orlean. And this is nonfiction. It's about the 1986 fire at the main branch of the Los Angeles Library, which destroyed over 400,000 books and damaged 700,000 more. And the cause of the fire has never been determined, but the author set out to do research and figure out what happened that day, and she wanted to uncover the culprit. I know, like I said, I'm in the minority for this, but I did not enjoy reading this. It felt long to me, kind of monotonous. I know why I never connected with it. It's because I listened to it, and the author narrates it herself. 
And I really wish they would have gone ahead and gotten a professional narrator for it because I think I would have liked it more. Mm-hmm. And that one was The Library Book by Susan Orlean. Have you read this? No, I haven't. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've heard of it for sure. Yeah. I think that sometimes when authors try to narrate their own books, it does not work. It doesn't go well. I can think of a handful of authors that I've been like, okay, yeah. Unless it's memoir. If it's right, memoir, right. I can do. This one is If it's memoir, they should. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I like it more typically if it's memoir and they do. This one was nonfiction. I just, I didn't, I didn't like it. I'm so sad uh, to say. But. That's okay. What's your pick? My pick, I've already mentioned on the podcast a couple of her picks. Like you said, the last thing he told me. Mm-hmm. The last Mrs. Parrish loved. So I, there's this one I decided to go with, and I really had a really hard time narrowing it down. And that's why I know, like, okay, I have read a lot of Reese's picks and loved them. The one I chose is The Rules of Magic by Alice Hoffman. Oh. Yeah. Have you read this? I have read. This is the trilogy, right? Right. Well, this is one of, yeah, because this is the prequel to Practical Magic. Yes. Okay. I've read Practical Magic. I own this one and the other one as well. I just haven't read them yet. Okay. Okay. Tell me about it. And I have not read Practical Magic. This was my very first Alice Hoffman, Mm -hmm. but I read it in 2019. Reese picked it in October of 2017. And I don't know why I'd never picked up her books before because, oh, Man, I've been on an Alice Hoffman roll since then. I listened to this one. It's narrated by Marin Ireland. She's very good. Mm-hmm. And this is about the Owens family. The initial premise is about them as a family in 1620. And they have a curse put on them that has to do with love. Maria Owens was charged with witchery for loving the wrong man. Then, fast forward hundreds of years later in New York City... At the cusp of the 60s, Susanna Owens knows that her three children are dangerously unique. From the start, she sets down rules for her children. No walking in the moonlight, no red shoes, no wearing black, no cats, no crows, no candles, no books about magic, and most importantly, never, ever fall in love. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, good luck keeping three kids from following those rules. And of course they don't, but the biggest one is the love. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me. I mean, I was highly encouraged by one of my friends who just hounded me to read this. And I'm so (laughs) glad she did. I was so mad at myself for not trying this author sooner. The fact that you are told not to fall in love and then two of the kids are girls and one is a boy. And then what happens when you try to fight it? Or when you give into it, and that curse is real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I love the setting. I love that we got we got to travel to Manhattan, Massachusetts, California, and Paris. Alice Hoffman writes like nobody. I mean, just magical. I loved her imagery. I loved the characters. I loved all the siblings. Franny, Jet, Vincent, they're all unique. You want the best for all of them, but you know things are not going to go well for them or as planned. You just know it because they're cursed. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the magic. I mean, I love magic. I love the idea of reading Mm -hmm. about magic. I love, 
I mean, but if you asked me if I love magical realism as part of my books, you would have then said, I'd be like, no. No way. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But this was so good. The magic felt believable. And then I like the history part of it. It's set a lot of, most of it's set during the 60s. So you have music festivals and riots and the Vietnam War as part of kind oh. of the backdrop of the Heck story. Yeah. There's really nothing to not like about this story. I loved every bit of it. And I've went on to read Magic Lessons, mm-hmm. which just came out, I think, last year. Yep. Um, I don't know why I haven't read Practical Magic. I know. Well, that's what I, I was don't thinking. I don't know why. I haven't, and, and I haven't seen the movie even, either. I did not. Yeah. This was like apparently a very like cult favorite. I missed it completely when they came out, when any of the books came out. I bought the three last year through Book of the Month. And I was like, all right, yeah, these look like something I'd want to read. But I lost track of them. I read Practical Magic. Definitely going to put these on my fall reading list. This would be perfect. That's when I read it. It would be perfect for the fall. It was mm-hmm. The Rules of Magic by Alice Hoffman. Perfect. Now, I will share with you the one book that I have read of my 16 that I did not in any way, shape, or form like. And that was Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine by Gail Honeyman. (laughs) I know you disagree with me. I do disagree. Tell me why. I was so bored. The only reason I read this for an in real life book club, otherwise... Mm-mm. I knew it wasn't for me. I would not, I knew I don't do well with super quirky characters. If an, an entire book is going to be based on a super quirky character that mm-hmm. potentially has either like alcoholism or I don't know, there's, I can't do a whole book with mm-hmm. just one character that the whole thing centers around. I mean, I can, I guess, but I wouldn't choose to pick it up. Got it. Going in, I knew it wasn't a a good pick for me, but because I wanted to be able to talk about the book, I... You're a good book club patron. (laughs) I was. I I didn't... I just was completely bored. Mm -hmm. That's so surprising. And that's fair enough. If you don't like a quirky character, then I can see why this wouldn't be for you. I really enjoyed it, but it also is set a lot in her workplace, which I like workplace drama. Yeah, you do. I liked the character, and I also really liked the ending. There is a very—you think it's going to be this light, fluffy, kind of, you know, quirky read, but there is a dark ending, which I liked. You know me, but Mm -hmm. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. I can see where you're coming from, for sure. Yeah. Well, so those are our Reese picks. That was our—yeah, those were our Reese picks. You want to move on to— Jenna. Read with Jenna. Okay. So Read with Jenna is the one that I have had the most success with so far. She has 32 books in her book club, and I've read 14 of those. So about 44% of those I have enjoyed all but one. And I have DNF2, which isn't bad. Hmm. No, not at all. Wait, wait, what percentage did you say you've read of her picks? I have read 14 of 32. So okay. 44%. Okay. I forgot to write down my number, but I wrote my percentage. I've read 22% of her picks. So gotcha. whatever number that was. Okay. All right. What's your first one? So my honorable mention for Read with Jenna is White Ivy. I think I talked mm-hmm. about her earlier. Me too. Mm-hmm. Same. You brought this as one of your favorites for 2021, and I also loved it. But the pick that I'm bringing for Jenna's book club today is The Girl with the Louding Voice by Mm -hmm. Abby DeRay. (sighs) This was a debut, and I am anxiously awaiting more from the author. 
It came out in February 2020, and it was the read with Jenna Pick for that same month. What a tough month to have your debut novel come out. However, it's got a super high rating on Goodreads. It's like, I think something like high fours. So Mm. rest assured, this book got its due. The Girl with the Louding Voice is a story about a Duni. She is a 14-year-old Nigerian girl from a rural village who has a dream to become educated. She believes that education will help her find her louding voice and teach her how to speak up for herself. She's still trying to get over the loss of her beloved mother when her father becomes desperate for money and accepts a marriage proposal for her from a much older man. Aduni is forced to become this man's third wife, and things take off from there. Now, it is a harrowing coming-of-age story. However, Aduni is so special— I was absolutely drawn into her character. She goes through some really insurmountable obstacles in her path, but she never loses sight of her goal. And more than that, she also wants to help other girls like her do the same. She is so charming. And through her eyes, you really get a full picture of what it's like for girls in villages in Nigeria. And I know In parts, it sounds like this could be a slog to read, but trust me, this is binge-worthy literary fiction, which I think sometimes that's an oxymoron, but I really flew through this one. I do want to address the writing style here. The way that the author chose to write Aduni's character is how she might speak. So with a 14-year-old level of understanding of English who has not properly been to school. So she uses a lot of phonetic spellings and kind of mistaken verb tenses throughout the book. If you've ever read The Color Purple by Alice Walker, she uses a similar technique in that. I loved both books. And I actually really liked this element and thought it helped illustrate Aduni's growth throughout the book. If you find it distracting at first, don't worry about it. You'll get used to it. Last point about this book. When I was looking at my review on Instagram from February 2020, Jenna Bush Hager commented on my photo and says, I'm so glad you loved it. And then the author, Abby DeRay, commented under that with a bunch of hearts. So I was like blown away. Don't know how I missed that last year. I absolutely love that Jenna's going through people's Instagram photos of her books and commenting and liking and just, you know, engaging. I think that's so fun. Oh, that's awesome. So that was The Girl with the Louding Voice by Abby DeRay. That's also still on my TBR. Love it. I highly recommend it. And I think this would be good on audio because you get to hear her voice and you can kind of hear her progress as she gets more and more um, evolved as a character. Okay. Yeah. I know lots of people love this one. Mm -hmm. So the only one that I have read from Jenna's book club that I did not connect with was Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. Mm -hmm. So I read it this year and it's not a bad book. I just never fell in love with it, I guess, in the way that I hoped to. It's about a woman and the girl that she hires to be her nanny and their complicated relationship. I could not stand the woman, <laughs> the uh, the mother who hired this nanny. It just felt kind of, it made me uncomfortable. It was very similar to Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, but I thought that one was a lot deeper. Okay, Not a ton happens with this book, and it touches on privilege, but it never got, it really never got there. So overall, this wasn't for me. I have heard really good things about this author, so I might try another book of hers. Okay. And that one was Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan. I I haven't read that author yet. Mm -hmm. I've heard very good things specifically about her book, Maine. I've been seeing Mm -hmm. that around a Mm -hmm. lot this summer. Right. It has such a good summer cover. It does. That's what got me. 
Okay. All right. What's your pick? My read with Jenna pick is Writers and Lovers by mm-hmm. Lily King. Mm-hmm. And I listened to this one, and the audio is by Stacy Glemboski. This actually made my top 10 of 2020. I loved this book. This is my first Lily King, too, so I wasn't sure what to expect. So you have Casey, the main character, and she is blindsided by her mother's sudden death. So she is grieving. She is also, so she's grieving the loss of her mother, but she's also grieving the loss of a recent love affair. And she gets to Massachusetts in the summer of 1997, and she is very lost. She doesn't have friends. The friends aren't there. She's in debt. She's a former child golf prodigy, and she is waiting tables in Harvard Square. So she rents a tiny room. And really, on paper, this seems like, okay, so what? She's 31. She is clutching onto her past and trying to move forward, but not letting herself move forward. She also really, really wants to fulfill her creative ambitions and tries to balance her desire to create art, but also to kind of move forward in life. That seems like an odd sort of setup in an odd story that doesn't seem all that exciting. What got me, I don't know if I saw a review. I don't know where I saw it. The fact that there is a love triangle in this book that centers around the main story was what got my attention. I love love triangles. Once I got going and I got to know Casey, which as soon as I started listening to this, I immediately liked her. I connected with her. I wanted to find out how things would go for her. I think if at all you've ever had any grief or loss in your life, you will connect with Casey on some level. It's like I said, it started off slow, but then I needed to know what would happen. I especially needed to know how the love triangle part was going to unfold. She's a struggling writer, so there's a lot of just things about books and writing, which I found interesting, and couple that with Lily King's writing, and I think it was just, it all worked. It worked really, really well. I found myself unable to stop listening to this. I thought the author's writing about grief was powerful, and in the end, tissues were needed, and you know what that means. Five stars. I'm going to give it five stars because I def I, it made me cry and cry some more. I love a good cry. I also loved that it was set in 1997. This was just a winner for me. It mm-hmm. was Writers and Lovers by Lily King. Yep. And this was the one that I was reading when the pandemic began. So it just, I got to the point of, like, I think just beginning the love triangle and I, this is one I can't be objective about because I was in such a weird, I think we all were in such mm-hmm. a weird headspace that I was like, this feels so low stakes compared to everything that's going on in the world. And that has nothing to do with the yeah. author or the book. It was just where I was at mentally with everything that was going mm-hmm. on. I would give this another shot. I do like books with love triangles. I like books about authors. Maybe on audio, this could be the way to go. Because I do own it. And I look at it sometimes and I think, oh, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> I wonder if I would like you if I read you a different time. I think time. you should try the audio. I had it as an e-galley. And I ended up going strictly with audio. Yeah, I can see that for sure. So my... DNF, which I had several on Jenna's list, (laughs) (laughs) but my most, 
I don't know. The one that stood out to me the most because it was so popular was Leave the World Behind. Oh, Lord, help me. (laughs) Wait, who's the author? Ruman Alam. Thank you. Forgot to write that down. Yeah, I Wait, did you DNF? I DNF. How far did you get? Pretty far. I want to say maybe 20%. Okay. And then I knew that the buzz was something about the ending. But at 20%, I was like, uh, no. You couldn't get there. I'm going to I'm gonna stop. So I skipped to the very end. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> my God. I mean, I, re- I rarely do that. I occasionally will do that. And then I was, I still didn't care. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was, that was my DNF. <laughs> That's so funny. I loved this book. I was in the camp that really enjoyed it. I thought it was so tense. I listened to it though. It was really unique. I appreciated the ending. I know a lot of people did not. And I totally get that. I actually, this was one of the Instagram lives that I caught with Read with Jenna and Ramana Alam and like got to hear, like she kind of asked like, hey, what was your motivation? And, you know, she doesn't talk spoilers in her Instagrams, but it was really, really interesting to hear him speak about his book. I totally dug it. But you guys know I love an apocalypse. Like that is my cup of tea. I did make my in real life book club read it and they both hated it. So (laughs) okay, I I know that I validated. Oh yeah. You're going to be in the majority (laughs) with that opinion. No, I know it was very well received, but, and and, you know, apocalypse are not for me usually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, who knows? I say stuff and, but then I go and like a multi-generational I family song. I was just going to say, I feel like you did like, you do like multi-generational, like that's I think you do. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm starting to notice. Occasionally, pat- I do. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to notice patterns about myself as well, though. Like, I'll say, like, I don't like X, Y, Z. And then I'm like, wait, but like, you you do. Like, you actually do. So mm-hmm. what are you talking about? We should just be so grateful for our book community mm-hmm. and for book clubs like this, too. Because really, I mean, I would bypass so much, but that the bookstagram hype machine gets going and it tempts mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I hear so. you. Okay. All right. We're moving on to our third pick, Mm -hmm. which we have each chosen a different different. book club. Yes. Yes. So I had to bring Oprah. Guys, I, Oprah's the original. She, you know what I mean? She did it first, I assume. Mm -hmm. And, And her book club has been around forever. She has been recommending books since 1996. She used to pick one book a month and then discuss it on her talk show. Over the 15 years she had this segment on her show, she recommended 70 books, and this was so popular. I remember being young and seeing some of Oprah's book club books around my house, so this was a very big deal. She and her book club was not without its controversy, though. You might remember her pick of James Frey's memoir, A Million Little Pieces, in 2005, which turned out to be almost totally fabricated. I read that book— I loved it. I read his prequel. I read I read his fiction after it came out that it was fabricated. I don't know what. It like I really enjoyed that book. Did you read it? Oh, yes. Okay. So I have to tell you. I am one of because I'm older than you and and I watched every I was wondering of mm-hmm. Oprah. Especially my first son was born in 97. I was home, you know, Oprah was on at four o'clock here and I, I looked like forward perfect. to it yes. every day. And yes, I looked forward to every time she was going to come out with a new book. And I, even back then, was not into memoir. But when she picked this, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I'm deaf. I'm going to read it. I yeah. read everything in the early 
in the early years, I read everything that she picked. And then I read it and I liked it mm-hmm. a lot. And then I found out like, and then I felt mad. Like, she, like I was like, yeah. <gasps> What a ripoff. How, and how then dare I, you do that to Oprah? I watched every second of that interview when mm-hmm. she made him come on and she, apologize. She drugged this man to filth. Oh. Like, she was like, Ooh. you are not going to come on my show and make a fool out of me. I mean, classic moment, right, in book club yes, history. It really was. So then in 2012, she actually brought her book club back, calling it Oprah's Book Club 2.0, and she started with Wild by Cheryl Strayed. There are 91 total books on her list, including the Gilead Quartet by Marilyn Robinson, which was a recent pick that I probably will never get to. No. (laughs) And I will say I've only read eight of her books, but I've enjoyed all but one of those. And I had to bring her because I had to give Miss Oprah Winfrey her due. Plus, you know, I'm Chicago, so there's that connection. Also, the book that I'm bringing for Oprah's Book Club is one of my all-time favorite books. I swear to you right now, if you tell me you hated this book, I'm quitting the show. It is An American Marriage by Cherry Jones. Have you read it? Yes, I have read it. Did you hate it? I I did not hate it. Okay. I gave it 3.5 stars. I think you're wrong, but I'll tell you why. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's fine. So in An American Marriage, and, and Let's frame it together. I read this as my very first book of 2017. It was an arc. It was one of my first arcs, I think, at the time. And I hadn't heard a peep about this book. So I think sometimes when books get too hyped, your expectations change. But I came into this with nothing. You have newlywed Celestial and Roy, and they are the embodiment of both the American dream and the New South. Roy is a young executive on the rise, and Celestial is an artist building her brand and building her dream career. They are just settling into the routine of their lives when they are ripped apart by circumstances that neither one of them could have imagined. Roy is arrested and sentenced to 12 years for a crime Celestial knows that he did not commit. She has always been an independent person, but This is a huge wrench that's thrown into her life, and she finds herself kind of untethered and turns to her childhood friend and the best man at their wedding, Andre, for support. Roy spends his time in prison and has his own struggles, as you can imagine, and the reader really gets sucked into thinking about what they might do in the same situation. Terry Jones knows how to tell a story. So the subplot and the undercurrent is about race and class and inequity and injustice, but she explores these issues via the love story that's at the center. And you get to hear from three separate POVs. You get Celestial, you get Roy, and you get Andre. You will love them and hate them each at different times. This is a book about family, obligation, and choices, the choices that we want to make, and then the choices that are forced upon us. There are some fabulous side characters in this book, and I genuinely still think about it to this day. I can see why Oprah picked this. It really is a perfect book club book. And this is An American Marriage by Tayari Jones, and I am so delighted to bring it to the podcast. Um, I was just peeking on my review. Um, thank God I wrote reviews. I know. Otherwise, has mm-hmm, um, I know. Because this is one, this is one too that I have thought that I should give a reread to because I feel like I, for whatever reason, maybe it was in the the time and the place, I, I feel like I've always missed something with that book. And I also mm-hmm. would like to talk about it with other people. I yes. read it in a vacuum by yep. myself before mm-hmm. it came out. But here is 
partly what I wrote that I think is why I gave it like a lower rating. Mm -hmm. When the narrative shifted to letter writing. Oh, uh uh-huh. I do not, and I, I don't like letter writing. Got it. And I think, so maybe I'm wondering if that's what did it for me and like, yeah, and that's um, a great point. Roy tells a lot of his stories via letters to Celestial because obviously mm-hmm. he's in prison. I quite liked that. It felt very real, but I can completely see how it does take you out of the narrative a little bit. That's exactly what I wrote. Mm-hmm. But and interesting, it is exactly something that I like because it's an un, it's a, a justice, mm-hmm. it's a fiction story set yeah. in the world of criminal justice and right and wrong and marriage. And there's nothing that I, yeah, I'm going to give it a reread sometime. Yeah, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this book. It kind of like, I remember where I was when I was reading it, like that sort of book. Like I just absolutely loved it. I don't know if you haven't read it yet, give it a shot. Yeah, it, it would be great to read with a group of mm-hmm. people and see um, everyone's thoughts on that. Okay, so do you have anything else for Oprah's? Yeah, so the book that I did not care for from Oprah's Book Club was Wild by Cheryl Strayed. Ah. And I know exactly why I didn't like this. I am not an outdoors woman. I read it when I was probably late 20s, and I just think I was not in that frame of life. And I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this woman is complaining so much. Like you're like, where are you? You didn't think you were going to have like these five-star accommodations. Right. And I, I don't stand by this opinion. I could be swayed. You know, like I said, I read this years ago, but I know it's a memoir and I definitely think it was just a case of me not being in the right place for this book. I do think if I might've read it today when I'm obviously late thirties, I might have liked it a little bit more. Did you like this one? I think I DNF'd it and uh-huh. then watched, I'm pretty sure I did, and then I watched the movie. Oh, fun tie-in. Reese Witherspoon <laughs> stars in this exactly. movie. Exactly. What, what can't Reese do, honestly? I know. I mean, she's good for her for p- oh my God. picking books and then making movies with them. I know, and, right? It's like a self-feeding machine. Good for her. I mean, but I did like the movie. Okay. I'm not sure. I don't remember why I DNF'd the book. Mm. I can't remember, but okay. yeah. All right. Um, I'm not. Na- I'm not a nature person either. I like yeah. to walk in the woods. I do, we I both do not like want to walk. stay in the woods. <laughs> I don't want to stay in the woods. Come on. Um, all right. Tell me about the okay. GMA book club. So, Good Morning America's book club has book club picks and buzz picks, and I don't know the difference. This was a book club pick, and I loved it so very much. It was on my top ten of 2020. It's The Midnight Library by Matt mm. Hay. I listened to this on audio. Carrie Mulligan was the narrator. And I mean, this hit so many of my buzzwords. The premise is between life and death, there is a library. And within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived to see how things would be different if you had made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? I love a book about what if. I love a book about regrets. I love to the chance to see characters potentially get to see what might have been. Mm-hmm. And that is where Nora finds herself in the beginning of this book. She is at a place in her life where she does not want to go on with life. There is talk of suicide. She does try to commit suicide. The whole basis of the story is she is stuck between 
life and death. And that is where she ends up in this library. Now, I would say the story does not linger there. So for people that don't want to read about suicide, which, you know, that is traumatic, it doesn't stay there. It's not, you know, and this is based on the author's own experience in mm-hmm. his life. So when she picks a book from the library, and sh- and there's this librarian who is kind of like a guardian angel sort of person helping her choose the book, she gets to see her se- her life at each point based on what book she picks. I loved seeing her. I loved going with her on that story of what if she would have went down this path? What if she would have went down this path? And and she got to live it, actually. She didn't get to see it. She got to live it. I just found it really fascinating. And I thought it was heartwarming. I enjoyed following Nora as she got to experience different realities of her life. It was easy to imagine particular crossroads of my own life and what could have been different or would have been different had just one thing changed. Mm -hmm. Like, I like to think about that. I think it's fascinating. I had a mixed bag of emotions. I thought it was whimsical in parts, touching, funny, but then it was heartbreaking too. And I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought the audio was great. And that was The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Mm-hmm. And I love Matt Haig. He is such a mental health advocate. He is just a fantastic person. And his book, The Humans, is one of my all-time favorites. Oh, that's on my TBR. Loved it so much. Uh, the Midnight Library wasn't for me, but that's just mainly, I think, because I don't do well with what might have been stories. Mm-hmm. And I know that about myself. I don't, I hate whimsy. <laughs> I just, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm coming around to whimsy. But I think if I had tried listening to this, Carrie Mulligan, I could be talked into listening to her tell me that story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think you definitely have to be in the right mood for a story like this, mm-hmm. for sure. I don't have a DNF for this, for the GMA. Have you read a ton of their picks? No. Okay. I think, no. And I, that must yeah. be why I don't have one. Of the ones I read, I enjoyed them all. I mean, I don't know. I think the lowest I would probably say was three stars. I think nothing to see here. I wasn't crazy about it, but I finished it. The um, one where the kids catch on fire. Oh, uh-huh. I enjoyed that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was fun. So I don't even think I had a DNF, but I haven't tried very many of their books. Maybe six or seven I had on on my list that I've read. Yeah, I had a couple that I have read from them. I've DNF'd three. The one that was most notable for me was, and this is going to be not surprising at all, it was Una Out of Order by Margarita oh. Montemore. And okay. I, again, this one is about uh, kind of a, sl- what is that, sliding doors, like mm-hmm. living different lives, what might have been. And it was not, it's about a woman that wakes up in a new year every year. Oh, on New Year's Eve or something? Yes, on New Year's Eve every year she wakes up and it's a different year and they're not linear. This oh, was tough. Might, it was that, a time travel. Yeah, that one was just tough for me. Well, I do have a bonus pick for myself for Oprah's <laughs> Book Club. Okay, go ahead. Give it to us. Can I can I toss that in? Yeah, yeah. Only because I know I've mentioned it, but I do I think it was my very 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 favorite Oprah pick. Okay. And I've read a lot of her picks. Mm-hmm. The Sun Does Shine. Oh, by yeah. Anthony Ray Hinton. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think I'll ever forget that book. I think about it a lot. I, I've I've mentioned it on the podcast before, as far as um, Anthony 
his story and how he was wrongfully convicted of murder. Mm-hmm. And he's a black man. I think this was Alab- Mississippi, Alabama. I think it was Mississippi, but I'm not yeah. sure. And he spent 30 years on death row. Mm. And his story, which was narrated by Brian Stevenson, yeah. was just fantastic on audio. I highly recommend that. But I do have the book in print because there is quite a lot that I highlighted. And I just, I want to remember because the fact that he was able to find peace, at you know, and what books were able to do for him mm-hmm. at one point. I just love this story. You haven't read I've it. I've not read you? it. No. Mm-mm. Man, I want you to read it. How do I, can I bribe you? What do I need to do? <laughs> I, I will send you your, your skincare pack. Okay. In return, if I read this book. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Try the audio though. And Oh, I know what I was going to say. You can't follow a structured TBR. Why? Because you're a moot. Because Midwest moot readers, readers, baby. I know. You're I not know. allowed. I know. It's not okay. a structured TBR. Trust me. I like seeing it, but I'm also going to like break <laughs> it very soon. I'm still into okay. it because it's week one. All right. Okay. We better get to our shelf edition. Do you want to share yours? Okay. My shelf edition is Dava Shrastri's Last Day by Kirtana Ramasetti. And this one comes Ooh. out in December 2021. And it's about Dava Shrastri. She is one of the world's wealthiest women. And unfortunately, she has just received a terminal cancer diagnosis. She's never been a woman that sits around and lets things happen to her. And she decides to take matters into her own hands. And she calls her four children to her private island to discuss her wishes. In addition to revealing this devastating diagnosis to her kids, she shocks them by telling them that she has arranged to have the news of her death break early so that she can reflect back on all that she's done in her life and read her obituaries. Funny slash morbid sidebar, one of my good friends works in the media, and she has said that if someone, you know, potentially is in danger of passing away, they'll have their obituary pre-written so that when it happens, they can just release it. So, Oh, okay. Odd tidbit. In the book, instead of being praised for her philanthropic work like she expected, Dava was shocked to find that her obituaries reveal two devastating secrets, secrets that have huge ramifications for her children. So now with the limited time she has left, she has to deal with the choices she made in her past and make peace with her family. The publisher pitched this as having the glitz and glamour of crazy rich Asians mixed with the inheritance drama of The Nest, which sounds so incredible. There's also a beautiful cover, and I can't wait to read it. This was Dava Shrastri's Last Day by Kirtana Ramasetti. When did you say that comes out? December 2021. Okay. I'm so glad you brought that. I think I saw that somewhere and totally forgot mm-hmm. to write down the title. And yeah. Now, I, okay. Yes, it's okay. I you can to. still read it. <laughs> no, I am. I just forgot to put it on my you know, like to be coming TBR yes, list yes. of like, see if I can get a copy early list. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds so good. It does sound really good. All right. Mine is, is coming March 1st, 2022. It's called On a Night of a Thousand Stars by Andrea Yura Yura Clark. This is about a young couple who confronts the start of Argentina's dirty war in the 1970s and a daughter who searches for truth 20 years later. New York 1998 is the setup. You have Santiago Laria, a wealthy Argentine diplomat. He is holding court alongside his wife, Lila, and their daughter, Paloma, a college student and budding jewelry designer. 
at their annual summer polo match and soiree. All seems perfect in their world until an unexpected party guest from Santiago's university days shakes his usually unflappable demeanor. The woman's cryptic comments spark Paloma's curiosity about her father's past, of which she knows little. When the family travels to Buenos Aires for Santiago's UN ambassador appointment, (laughs) Paloma is determined to learn more about his life in the years leading up to the military dictatorship of 1976. With the help of university student Franco, an activist member of HIJOS, a group whose members are the children of the, quote, disappeared men and women who were forcibly disappeared by the state during Argentina's dirty war. Mm. Paloma unleashes a chain of events that not only leads her to question her family and her identity, but also puts her life in danger. And that was On a Night of a Thousand Stars by Andrea Uraira Clark. That Could sounds, I pick a harder one for me to pronounce? I know. And at the end of an episode, too. Yeah, this reminds me of that movie, Evita. I think it's like that title is a line from one of the songs. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that movie. That sounds really good. Well, I just Googled it earlier when we were looking at this book, and that's what came up was a bunch of the— Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcast out to new listeners and grows our audience. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. Oh my gosh, quick, let's save this before we lose it. I will drop dead if we have to record again. There's quite a few. (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Damn it! That wasn't me.